Welcome to King of Glory Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this week's encouraging message. For more information, please visit kingofglorycc.com. You know, um, but this is a neat opportunity. So I'd like to introduce the first one up on the docket, Mr. Matthew Arrowwood. Let's give him a big hand. Awesome. Good morning, guys. Good morning. Well, oh man, where do I start? Okay. To say I'm excited this morning would be an understatement because I've been chomping at the bit for this opportunity for a long time. And so they tell me I've got 15 minutes. I've got a sign to tell me when I've only got five left. Hold on. All right, I got a timer on my watch. I'm going to honor you guys' time. You see me shaking, it's because I want to blow the lid off of the place, but I've only got 15 minutes. So let's all buckle up. Let's see where the Lord takes us, okay? Cool. So so that being said, you know, I'm, a, I'm especially excited because I have so many members of my family here joining our family this morning, um, which is helpful for me in my sermon because they're going to get to be a witness for me. Um, you know, when I was a kid... I can remember being in the grocery store with my mom, and I think all of them experienced this. If they ever took me out anywhere, you know, we can be uh, we can be going to the car right after we've checked out. We've got a direction, we know where we're going, we know how we're getting there. So you know, my mom can be going along with the buggy. She checks over. There I am. She looks over, makes sure my sister's there. She looks over, and who knows where Matthew is? Right. I mean, I was there a second ago, and now all of a sudden I'm gone. I tell you that to buckle up because I got a direction I want to go this morning, but there is apps. I have no clue where we're going to end up. Okay. Everybody cool with that? Awesome. Sweet. All right. That was a minute 10. All right. I'm worried about it. I want to honor people's time this morning. Okay. If you will turn, turn with me to Luke two, we're going to start verse 21. Pastor Sam was, was kind enough to preface my sermon during the baby dedication. So here's where we're going to start. And when eight days were completed for the circumcision of the child, that child being Jesus, his name was called Jesus. Then given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. Now when the days of her purification, according to the law of Moses, were completed, they brought him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. And it is as it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. And to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. So he came by the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God. And Simeon said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation which you have prepared before the face of all peoples, a light to bring revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people, Israel. And Joseph and his mother marveled at those things which were spoken of him. 
Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is destined for the fall and the rising of many in Israel, and for a sign which will be spoken against. Yes, a sword will pierce through your own soul also, and the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed. We're in verse 36. Now there was one, Anna, a prophetess, the daughter of Phanuel, of the tribe of Asher. She was of great age and had lived with a husband seven years from her virginity. And this woman was a widow of about 84 years, who did not depart from the temple, but served God with fasting and prayers night and day. And coming in that instant, she gave thanks to the Lord and spoke of him being Jesus, to all those who looked for redemption in Jerusalem. Man, so much fun. Well, my message this morning is simple. It is that God's promises are faithful and they are true. God's promises are faithful and they are true because the one who promised is faithful and he is true. That's it. I only have 15 minutes, so we'll see. Sweet. I got about 10 minutes and 30 seconds, and my sermon's over. So the rest of this is going to be icing on the cake for you guys. Cool. Y'all cool with that? I also like the term potatoes on the steak. That's my my choice. I'd rather have steak over cake any day. So anyway, Jeremy's with me. Uh, we're going to lunch together today. Hmm, thank you, Jesus. Yeah, his promises are faithful and true. You know, I, I chose I chose this passage this morning because... It is the story of the dedication of Jesus. We do in baby dedications. But, you know, honestly, we could go all the way back to Genesis 1 and start reading all the way through Revelation. And we would find hundreds of hundreds of stories of the Lord's promises, of his word being spoken, and then it coming to pass over and over again. But they said I only have 15 minutes, so I chose one. Okay? Because I'd, I'd do it. We could start in Genesis 1. I mean, I mean, he says, let there be light, and it says there was light. Period. It happens every time. When he makes a promise, it comes to pass. It happens every time. Shortly after I got saved, I had a dream. And in this dream, I mean, this was a few weeks after I had gotten saved. And, and, and for those who haven't heard my testimony before, when I wasn't walking with the Lord, there was a night in which the Spirit of God had just filled my room. And I realized who I was supposed to be and who I was right then. And I started crying out for who I was supposed to be. And I was supposed to be a husband and a father. So I said, Lord, I'll give up all of this just to have a family. And so a series of events, I get saved. A few weeks later, I have a dream. And in this dream, I'm walking out the front door of what I know in the dream to be my house. I walk onto my front porch and there's these two beautiful children in front of me. There's a little boy that looks, I mean, spitting image of me. And then there's a little girl. That was it. That was the dream. But I woke up and it, it was the clearest dream I had ever had. And, and in the midst of this, I'm learning, you know, that, that God gives us dreams. This was a promise. You see, I saw this. I knew that it was a promise of the Lord. And I mean, it would be another year and a half until that little man back there was born. But then I, I get to stand up here today and watch his promise come to pass as my son is being dedicated to the Lord. And so that's why I chose this story, just because it, it comes in line with mine. In the, in the midst of this dedication of a baby to the Lord, a promise comes to pass, right? Simeon had been told. You're not going to die until you see the Christ, right? But sometimes this promise isn't spoken directly to us, right? 
because we have we have this prophetess. She was a prophetess, Anna, and it and it doesn't in this story say that she was explicitly told by the Spirit that she would see the Christ, but she was fasting and she was in prayer. She was in the temple day after day seeking the promise of the Lord. Right, because as soon as she saw it, what did she say? It says. And coming in, she's coming into the temple. That instance, she started to give thanks to the Lord. And then she went out and she spoke to him for all of those who had been looking for the redemption in Jerusalem. You see, she knew that in the words of the prophets and in the words of the fathers, that the Lord had promised a Christ, a Messiah was coming. And she walks in the temple because she's been looking for it, right? I mean, day after day, I mean, a widow of about 84 years. It says she did not depart from the temple, but she served God with fasting and prayer night and day. She was in there day after day after day seeking the promise of the Lord because she knew what I'm telling you this morning. That's that his promises, they are faithful and true, period. And there are so many promises that get spoken directly to us like my dream. I'm watching it come to pass, but there's so many promises in here that are for all of us. For all of us. I mean, he he promises, he promises salvation. He promises the Holy Spirit. He promises that if you ask for anything in my name, it shall be done. I mean, there's so many promises in here that can just get us amped up and go, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, do it. Right? And some of these promises, I mean, they're just going to come to pass. Whether we step into it or we don't step into it, he's going to make it happen because he's faithful and true. And then there's some promises in which he's calling his people to step into it. Right? I mean, the Israelites are on the border of the promised land. And they send spies in. They go in to scout out the land. And all they can see is opposition. And so the, the spies come back and they go, I don't know. We're grasshoppers. This isn't for us. But the Lord had promised, right? And what happened? They didn't step into it. And so they went out into the wilderness until that whole unbelieving generation died off. And a new generation was, was, was raised up that actually believed in that promise of the Lord. And then they went after it. Sometimes it does take a choice. It does, right? Ask Caleb. He had chosen. He's in the midst of that little, their little powwow meeting. He's like, oh no, guys. Oh no, that promise is faithful and true. That's our land. Let's go and let's take it. And guess what? He stepped into it with that generation. And I'm sure he had a lot of friends around him in that little powwow that would have loved to step in the promises that he got to step into. I mean, I'd love to have Moses here and know what it was like to believe in that promise, but not get to step into it. Never mind. Okay, we're not going down that road. Awesome. I told y'all we could end up down an aisle with a shiny new toy very quickly. But I got about five. You didn't show. Oh, she. Okay, gosh. Okay. Good news is I've already got my sermon over. So now I'm just trying to pack it in. Because there's a promise of the Lord that I want to look at. You know, there's so many promises that are extremely encouraging. And this is a promise I want to look at because I know this one is going to come to pass. And I want to challenge us each to step into the promise that he's asking us to step into. In this this verse I'm about to read, there's a twofold promise. Okay. So let's dive into that for five minutes. We are going to be in, I am not where I want to be. We're going to be in Luke 21. And the verse is verse 33. 
Jesus is speaking to his disciples, and he says, heaven and earth will pass away. But my words will by no means pass away. You see, when I read this verse, I automatically, I, Isaiah speaks my language. The prophet Isaiah speaks my language. So a lot of times I will, I will hear something that, the, that Jesus says to his disciples, and I automatically think of a passage in Isaiah. And this one I'm looking at, Isaiah 40. This one's not going to be on the slide because I just thought of this this morning. Isaiah 40, starting in verse 6. Okay, this is Isaiah before the Lord, and he hears a voice say, cry out. He says, what shall I cry? All flesh is grass, and all its loveliness is like the flower of the field. The grass withers, the flower fades, because the breath of the Lord blows upon it. Surely the people are grass. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever. So I spent about 10 minutes telling you guys that that the promises of the Lord will come to pass. And a lot of you agree with me. And if not, by the end of this, I hope you agree with me. And then in this verse, when Jesus is talking to his disciples, and it's actually echoed by the, the prophet Isaiah, it's that heaven and earth will pass away. Right? If you go read the book of Revelation, there's a new heaven and a new earth that Jesus is actually preparing for us right now. That's another one of his promises. I don't have time for that. It's coming. Heaven and earth will earth will pass away, but his word is going to stand forever. And so I want to challenge you guys this morning because it's that second part of that promise in which we get to choose. Are we going to step into it? Because his word will not pass away. And yet it's so easy for us to give our lives to things that are passing away, to entertainment, to achievement, to religion. Those three come to the top of my head because it's, that's what I struggle with right? I want to be something great. And so I find myself so often trying to give myself to the works and trying to give myself to achievement. But honestly, there's going to be, there's going to be a day where all the works are gone. So no men can boast, right? There's so often that I trap myself in, in religion and trying to look right because I want to earn the love of my father. And he, he constantly has to come in and remind me because that's, that's passing away. The only thing that's going to stand is his word. And here's the good news. His word is a person. His word is a person. Listen, John 1, it says, in the beginning, no, that's sorry, that's Genesis. Sorry. John 1, he talks about the word was in the beginning with God and the word was God. Right? And then he goes on to say the word was made flesh and dwelt among them. I'm going to go to Revelation 19 and because I'm running out of time with this thought that I have. I'm going to skip right to where I want to to what I want to show you. I'm in Revelation 19, verse 11. Now I saw heaven open. Okay, I can't pass over this. So the two chapters before this talk about the fall of Babylon. Okay, so I want you to see that's that's the book of Revelation, again, prophesying the world falling. Okay, Babylon has fallen, and now we are in chapter 19, and we've got heaven crying out hallelujah because the Lord has been faithful and we're in verse, verse 11. Now I saw heaven opened and behold a white horse. He who sat on him was called faithful and true. And in righteousness he judges and he makes war. His eyes were like a flame of fire in his head and on his head were many crowns. He had a name written that no one knew except himself. 
He was clothed with a robe dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. So my 15 minutes are up. I'm going to take another 30 seconds because I believe this is important. And that is that, that it is so easy for us to give our lives to things that are passing away. And it's actually the kindness of the Lord when he comes in and leads us into repentance away from idols. Why? Because if we give our lives to dying idols, we're going to die with them. But if we can give our lives to the everlasting, eternal, living God, Jesus promises that all those the Father gives to him, he will raise up on the last day. It's eternal life. Right, It says the word is not going to pass away. The word is a person, and that person is Jesus Christ. So this morning, as I stand up here, and I'm taking another 30 seconds, so I thank you. It's so important. I just believe that any time I stand in front of a group of this size, there could be one. And even if it's just one, I'm going to give the invitation because the word of God says, blessed are all of those who are invited to the wedding supper of the Lamb. So I'm going to invite you this morning. If everybody will just close their eyes and bow their head. Listen, it says, all who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So I'm believing that there could even, there could even be just one in this room this morning. But as I've, I, as I've been speaking about the promises of God, you are realizing there's, there's a destiny that you are headed towards. And in his kindness, you want to repent, which would mean to turn from that and turn into the destiny that the Lord has for you. And all you have to do is call upon his name. So if that's you this morning, we're just going to ask the Lord in into our hearts to, to turn us toward what he has for us. So if that's you this morning, I just want you to join me in this prayer and just ask the Lord into your heart. Father, I thank you in the name of Jesus, and I thank you for your son, Jesus, who is salvation, who is the light to the Gentiles and is the glory of your people, Israel. And Jesus, this morning, we ask that you would come into our hearts. You are the word of life. We ask this morning that you would come into our hearts, that you would turn us from our wicked ways into your everlasting life. God, we thank you for your promise, which does say, all who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And so, Lord, I bless this people in front of me, and I bless those who today are choosing to turn from where they were headed, and they are turning back to you, Lord. I thank you in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you. Listen, if you prayed that with me, I want you to come find me. Because I want to, I just want to continue to encourage you in your choice of salvation. Okay, thank you, guys. Yeah. All right, good word, good job, Matthew. All right, now next up is Jada Morgan. Let's give her a big hand. Come on, Jada. Just a show of hands. How many of you have ever heard of Mordecai Ham? Anybody? A couple people. Okay, good. For those of you who haven't heard of him, he was born in the early 1900s, and he's from southern Kentucky, and he comes from a long line of preachers. So there were eight generations before him who preached the gospel. 
And at nine years of age, he decided to submit to the call of God on his life to also be a preacher. So I want you to tuck that away for a minute, and we're going to go somewhere with that uh, in just a few minutes while we talk about being a faithful witness, okay? All right, if you would turn with me to Acts chapter 9, we'll be reading Acts chapter 9, verses 1 through 19. You can turn in your Bible, your phone app. If you don't have either of those for some reason, it'll be up here in just a minute. So I'm going to give you some background while you're turning to Acts chapter 9, okay? So for those of you who haven't grown up in church and may not know this, there are two Saul's. There's a Saul in the Old Testament, and there's a Saul in the New Testament. We're going to be talking about the New Testament Saul today. So this Saul was a Jewish man who knew the letter of the law, okay? And he was super religious, and, you know, he was such a stickler that he, um, he held to the belief that Jesus was not the Messiah, not the one that was promised, and he was still waiting So what he decided to do with that um, (laughs) was that he would take matters into his own hands and he would imprison or kill anyone who was a follower of the way or a follower of Jesus. Okay, so pretty intense guy, right? Like you want to be on his team, you know. (laughs) All right. So (laughs) but we weren't right if we were back then. Okay, moving on. So. (laughs) All right. So he actually you can read later. Acts chapter 8, so like the chapter before this later on sometime this week, um, there is actually the stoning of Stephen. And so Stephen was a man full of the Holy Spirit who was going around preaching the gospel. He was on fire for Christ. And Saul actually was holding coats for people while they were picking up big boulders and stoning Stephen to death. And he was okay with that. He was like, good, good, one down, you know. (laughs) Um, So that just gives you an idea of what we're working with here. Okay. I'm wanting to set the background because sometimes we put so much distance between what we're reading and like if we were actually there and what was going on. Okay. So Acts chapter nine, I'm going to be starting in verse one, but Saul still breathing threats and murder. I wasn't lying to y'all against the disciples of the Lord went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues at Damascus. So that if he found any belonging to the way men or women, He might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Now, as he went on his way, he approached Damascus, and suddenly a light from the heavens shone around him, and falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, Who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But rise and enter the city, and you will be told what you are to do. The men who were traveling with him stood speechless, hearing the voice, but seeing no one. So imagine being there, okay? Saul rose from the ground, and although his eyes were opened, he saw nothing. They led him by the hand and brought him to Damascus. And for three days he was without sight and neither ate nor drank. Just think about that. Three days of no eating. Just think about that, how grumpy you would be. So he's already like on a rampage, right? And now he's blind and has no food. Great. All right. <laughs> That takes hangry to like a whole new level. Okay. All right. So now there was a disciple at Damascus named Ananias, verse 10. Sorry. Uh, Keep tracking with me. The Lord said to Ananias in a vision, Ananias. And he said, here I am, Lord. And the Lord said to him, rise and go to the street called Straight. And at the house of Judas, look for a man of Tarsus named Saul. For behold, he is praying. And he has seen a vision. I just want to pause here. God has already thrown Ananias under the bus, okay? So just pay attention. 
He has seen in a vision a man named Ananias come in and lay hands on him so that he might regain his sight. So like, what's he going to do now, right? Like he's already seen the vision of a man named Ananias. Like, okay. So Ananias answered, Lord, I don't know if you know this, Lord, I've heard from many about this man and how much evil he's done to your saints at Jerusalem. And here he has the authority from the chief priest to bind all who call on your name. But the Lord said to him, go. For he is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings to the children of Israel. For I will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. So Ananias departed and he entered the house. And laying his hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road by which you came, has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately something like scales fell from his eyes and he regained his sight. Then he rose and was baptized, and taking food, he was strengthened. So Ananias was a Christian leader in Damascus. We don't really know anything else about him except he was a Christian leader and obviously a disciple or follower of Jesus. Um, we don't we hear from him like one other time, but he's not like a you know a superstar highlighted in the Bible all the time. Um, our first point today, though, I want you to to get is get where you can hear get where you can hear um i don't have a slide for this so don't panic but <laughs> but john 10 10 under their back they're like john 10 10 <laughs> right um john 10 10 talks about um you know the devil has come to steal kill and destroy right that same in that same chapter jesus talks about my sheep know my voice and a stranger they will not follow so how do we know his voice how do we know his voice we get where we can hear we need to be in a place in our daily lives where we can hear the lord and in different seasons it's going to be different like when i was 10 even i remember um being in my backyard with a spiral bound notebook and like writing poems and like just having all day you know and then in, and then in college <laughs> right and then in college you know, I had my journal, my prayer journal, and I would just write and like have my Bible open. I just like lay on my bed and weep, and it was great. Now I like get up at 5:30 while my kids are still sleeping. I have like 10 minutes, you know, and I like, <laughs> you know, or I'm listening to my Bible app on my phone while I'm going down the road. But I still know that He is the same. He is faithful and true, and that stability, like everything that's been going on today, I've been like, ah, oh, thank you, Jesus, because it's so true. He is faithful and true, and He's going to be the same throughout your life. And he knows what's coming. So get where you can hear. So it's time in prayer, time in the word, and time around God's people. And you can't do one without the others. It just doesn't work. You know, there, you know, a good word from someone with no confirmation isn't, it's not going to work because it's not going to set with your heart and what the Spirit's already been telling you. Um, you're not going to hear from the Holy Spirit if you're not praying or reading the word. So it all works together. Okay, and I have this really powerful quote from Corey Timboom I want you to think about. Corey Tim Boom once said, if the devil cannot make us bad, he will make us busy. And I think a lot of times these days we glorify being busy. Oh, I'm just so busy. Like, let's compare calendars and see who's busier. You know, it's just like, and I just can't do that. I'm just so busy. But you know what? We can never be too busy to pray. We can never be too busy to seek the face of God um, for what he has planned for us. And I, Ananias was a man who positioned himself to hear the Lord. And we read in verse 10 that unlike Saul, he didn't have to be like, Lord, who was speaking? He was like, yes, Lord. 
all you had to do was say Ananias. He didn't have to like, you know, blind him, knock him down, all the stuff. He just said, Ananias, like, that's the relationship I want, you know, like, don't blind me, like, just talk to me. Um, <laughs> you know, if you, if you have kids, it's like, get on her. I was nice three times and you only hear me when I'm yelling, you know. So, uh, <laughs> so let's, let's keep it, you know, let's, you know, yes, Lord, what do you, yes, yes. Not out of fear, but out of like, you know, I want a great relationship with you. you know, I don't want to hear your yelling voice. I want to hear your nice voice. Like we talk, I talk to my five-year-old like that. I've used my nice voice two times. Joel's coming. <laughs> <You know? laughs> All right. I got to get zoned back in because my time. All right. So I want you to think about this though. So you're going to see how, um, at least through my lens, because all of you are probably more spiritual than me. But Ananias, he knew he could be arrested. He knew he could be killed, right? Like arrested was best case scenario at this point. And, um, but he didn't, <laughs> you know, he knew that Saul had you know, committed crimes. And if you think about it, probably some of his friends had been arrested or killed. So it was like very personal. Um, it wasn't just this thing he had heard about on the news or something, right? <laughs> um, so you caught that, James. Thank you. So, um, so he wanted to make doubly sure he had heard God, right? Have you ever done that? Like, you just want to make sure that God understands your situation? Like, he doesn't? I just want to catch you up, Lord. In case you haven't heard, like, around here where I live, he has the authority to take me to prison or kill me. So, like, did you know that? Because that just happened last week. And God's like, Ananias. And he's like, yes, Lord, go. <sighs> okay. And you don't hear anything else about that. There's no more conversation. He goes. All right, so let's go to verse or to point number two. The point number two is go. Pretty creative. All right, I want you to look at verse 15 through 19. But the Lord said to him, Go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel, for I will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. So Ananias departed and entered the house, and laying his hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road by which you came, has sent me so you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately something like scales fell from his eyes and he regained his sight. So, anyway, <laughs> I was like looking at her. All right. So um, he didn't, this is me. He didn't like yell from behind a bush outside the house. Hey, hey Saul, um, I just want to let you know, you can't see me and it's fine, but I just want to let you know. No, he went in the house. He went in the house and then he trusted that what God said was true, that he wasn't going to kill him. So he went up and he touched him like he's getting close, y'all. Like I would have been like, you know, from outside, like I told you, or like text him or something. So like he puts his hand on him and he says, brother Saul, it's a term of endearment. And he had already called those things not as though they were that he is a brother in Christ. Okay, so he's welcoming him into the body. So it's interesting. The people in Acts were faithful witnesses. So even in the marketplace, um, actually, people were already believers by the time they got to their house gatherings because people had already um, witnessed Christ to them. They had received Jesus and declared him as Lord of their life. And then they came together to the meeting. So their outreach strategy was their witness. That's what they did. It wasn't two separate things. Okay. Um, so let's take it back to Mordecai Ham, remember that in the beginning? All right. Um, not a lot of people have heard of him. Maybe about five of you have, which is more than I thought, which is really good. In this valley, though, who has heard of Billy Graham? Right? <laughs> okay. So Billy Graham was born and raised on a dairy farm in Charlotte, close to where I grew up, actually. Um, and he lived a reckless life growing up, if you can believe it. 
Um, he was actually turned away from a youth group because they said he was too worldly, which that's another sermon about that youth group. But anyway, <laughs> so they missed out. So at age 16, he gave his life to the Lord. And we now know of him because he has preached to the most people in the history of the world. Okay. Um, when he was 16, he went to one of those old-fashioned tent revivals. You know what I'm talking about? Anybody like 21 and older, probably 22, maybe. All right. So um, you at least know about it. You don't, might not have been to one. All right. So um, he went to one and there was a um, altar call. And Pastor Mordecai Ham said, if any of you want to give your life to the Lord, please come forward. Much like what Matthew did. And I appreciate you doing that this morning. And because... Because Mordecai Ham was obedient to the call of God on his life, because Mordecai's great, 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 great grandfather was obedient to the call of God on his life, Billy Graham came to know the Lord, and we know who he is. But more importantly, millions of people know who Jesus is. So you might not be a you might be a Billy Graham, or you might be a Mordecai Ham. Either one is fine. Or you might be Mordecai's great great grandpa. It's fine. Because the point here is not that it's about us. The point is that it's about Jesus. And it can be whether you're volunteering in church, giving a plug for heritage. It can be whether you're coming to prayer on Wednesday. It can be whether you help with the prison ministry. It can be whatever you find that the Lord's calling you to do. Just step out and do it and he'll be faithful. So really quick, if you don't mind, I have a challenge. Just think about it. It doesn't call for an immediate response, but just be mulling this over. In what ways are you being a faithful witness right now? Okay, be honest with yourself and think about in what ways can you work on being a more consistent and vibrant faithful witness? All right, thank you. Thank you for listening to King of Glory Sermon of the Week. Connect with us on Instagram at KOG underscore Asheville and on Facebook at facebook.com slash KOG Asheville.